This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Thursday, April 14th, and you are listening to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hope everyone is having a phenomenal week. My name is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got a, a special edition of the show today, a conversation between national analyst Cooper Patagna and Andrew Ivins in just a moment. But before we get there... Let's take a look at what's trending over at 247sports.com. A couple of intriguing crystal ball predictions have gone in for five-star prospects. The director of recruiting for 247 Sports, Mr. Steve Wilfong, put in a prediction to Ohio State for the number one overall prospect in the 2024 class. That would be five-star quarterback Dylan Riola out of Chandler, Arizona. I recently put in a prediction for USC. This was fresh off of an unofficial visit to Los Angeles. He got to sit down with Lincoln Riley and get a feel for things there. But it sounds like Ohio State has now shifted the tide in a sense. Rayola was out in Columbus for a multi-day visit recently, and it seems like Ryan Day has now grasped some of that momentum now back into the fold for the Buckeyes for Rayola. And the other crystal ball prediction that is definitely fascinating fascinating at this point in the cycle would be five-star linebacker Anthony Hill. A first initial prediction went in for the Texas A&M Aggies. And if you thought Jimbo Fisher was done stacking five-star prospect with other five-star prospects, I mean, you might be mistaken. Anthony Hill, the number one linebacker in the state of Texas, just made it out to Aggieville for the spring game. And it sounds like Brian Peroni feels good about where the Aggies sit there. So for more on that, make sure you head on over to the Texas A&M site over on the 24-7 Sports Network. So on today's episode, as we mentioned, we're going to listen back to a discussion between 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst Andrew Ivins and Cooper Patagna as they leapt around the 2023 class and talked about some specific players, some specific positions, and some intriguing programs. First, the guys dove into the running back position and highlight a few names outside of the current top 24-7 rankings that fans should keep an eye on heading into the spring of evaluation period. They also talk specifically about four-star running back Cedric Baxter Jr. from the state of Florida and discuss what makes him such a special talent. Is there one or two guys that you like at the running back position that aren't included in the top 24-7 right now? Well, I'll say that I was at the uh, Elite Underclassmen Showcase camp in Orlando a few weeks ago, and I thought the strongest group was the running back group. Yes, you had uh, Cedric Baxter there, who is an awesome pass catcher. I think that's the best part of his game, just his third down capability. Not only can he chip someone, uh, but he's also a dynamic receiver, and I think you need to do that in this modern era of football. you got to be able to catch the ball. So, uh, but it was a, it was a really talented and deep group. And there was another guy in the line, Isaiah Augustiv, 
out of Naples High School, who is a similar build to Cedric Baxter, 6'1", you know, 195. He's an 1109 kid. I think he might break that all important 11 mark in the 100 meter dash. And I think he's kind of like Cedric Baxter light, you know, uh, a guy that uh, has the big frame and, and, and can play all three downs. Oklahoma State, which I've, you know, I've covered the state of Florida recruiting for, uh, I, I don't know, t- eight years or so. I can't remember Oklahoma State being on a kid, but uh, they're close to getting Isaiah on, on campus. So he's one I'm tracking. Another guy, Mike Mitchell, out of uh, Northern Florida, 10-8-1 kid, another big frame running back uh, with some size, ran for over 1,600 yards this past season. Western Kentucky's recruiting him the hardest right now, but after he ran that 10-8, he told me that both Florida and Florida State called. So I think some more guys are going to emerge, but you know, it, it's definitely an interesting year at the running back position in terms of how this is shaking out. And it, honestly, it was kind of like that in the class of 2022 as well. I mean, you know, there were some big names, but there wasn't a ton of depth. And I think we're kind of seeing that again here in, in 2023. Drew, before we move on, I, I want to go on and, and kind of talk about this guy a little bit more. I feel like we'd be be doing a disservice if we didn't. But two guys in your backyard, two out of the three top running backs in the country. What is it that you like so much about Cedric Baxter Jr. that has him separated himself throughout the evaluation process. Well, like I said, you know, that that three down, three down capability, his ability to, to, to catch the, the football, you know, two springs ago, the, the staff at Orlando Edgewater, they had him practice all spring at wide receiver. Like that's all he did was play wide receiver. And then I'll never forget Cameron Duke, his head coach. I, I came by, you know, a few months later and then he's like, hey man, I, I think Cedric's probably a linebacker at the next level. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's this, he's a really, really talented running back. I think the the other thing that I like about Cedric Baxter for my interactions is he seems like he has a, a good head on his shoulders, a, a good personality. He likes football. He likes football for the right reasons. So I think he just checks a, a ton of boxes. Uh, that frame, that run style, I just think it's so conducive to the modern modern game with, with, with the spread and up-tempo. I think he can do a little bit of everything. So that's what I like about Cedric Baxter. It's just how natural of a, of a ball carrier he is as well. Yeah, he uh, watching him yesterday, there was some shades of Trey Sermon was kind of the guy that I, that I ended up kind of gravitating to in terms of the NFL comp there. But similar build, they move really well. They're very sudden. Uh, the change of directions there, very natural pass catchers out of the backfield as well. So from one of the nation's top running backs to one of the nation's top receivers, Carnell Tate of IMG Academy, currently the number two receiver in the top 24-7 rankings, has an offer list spanning the who's who of college football. But Josh Heupel and Tennessee still with some momentum after getting the momentous and that headline-grabbing commitment from five-star quarterback Nico Iamaleava. They want to continue adding some firepower to that 2023 class. They host to Tate for an official visit last weekend and Cooper and Andrew dive into what the Vols chances might be of landing that dynamic talent. Their realistic chance, Cardinal Tate, the number two receiver in the country, ends up in Knoxville. I think so. You know, me and Alan True, who used to cover Carnell when he was in Chicago, obviously Carnell's now at IMG Academy, played this past season there, going to spend his senior season at the boarding school. Initially, we're labeling them kind of as the dark horse in the recruitment, but I don't even think they should be considered the dark horse anymore. I mean, they're right there, I I think, with Ohio State and and Notre Dame. And 
you know, I, how does how would this happen? Obviously, NLI is going to have to play a factor. I mean, that's just the reality of what it is. I mean, let's address the real elephant in the room. But on, on top of that, I think what's appealing about Knoxville to Carnell Tate is the is Josh Heupel's offense. I mean, they throw the ball, they get it to wide receivers. You're also going to be playing potentially with a you know a quarterback who has the highest ceiling of anyone in your class. So I, I think that's what all really stands out. He's been there so many times, and we'll see. Um, I think if you're Tennessee, you know you just got to kind of have to weather the storm now because you use that all important official visit. And I know there's some legislation out there that hey, kids might we might get to the point where kids can take as many visits as they want. We don't know how many schools that is in, in terms of official visits, but you know that's that's a card that you're burning like really really early if you. I mean, if you're playing cards, you know, like you're trying to hold on to something. If you know we're playing Uno, maybe that that flip card or something like that, you're you're trying to hold on to it. You know, Tennessee burned that official visit. And I, I think that's that's so important because there's still a ways to go to that December early signing period. And Ohio State's obviously in there. I mentioned how I thought Ohio State was kind of neck and neck with USC uh, for Brandon Ennis. Um, and Brandon, you know, I, I think Carnell Tate is, is likes Ohio State a lot as well. And, you know, I think those two have, have talked to Ohio State about playing together. Obviously, they play on the same seven on seven team, which is essentially like an all star team. It's like a cheat code. So, you know, we'll see. But I think Tennessee is, is pushing all the buttons right now. Uh, and let's say they do get them in the boat. Then it comes down to what happens on the field in, in 2022. I mean, because, again, you got to have to weather that storm. So we'll see. But I definitely think Tennessee is in that lead pack for sure right there with Ohio State and Notre Dame. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To finish it off, Andrew and Cooper stay in the Sunshine State and head towards South Florida to talk about Miami, a program that both know well. The guys discuss Mario Cristobal's recruiting so far and focus on the offensive line where the Canes recently picked up their second commitment and fifth overall. Drew, want to move on to Miami. Miami's certainly in your backyard. You, you've covered them for a very long time. They get a commitment from an Australian-based offensive lineman, Frankie Tinilau, if I another pronunciation I have to work on. but That's closer than me. You've been out on the West Coast. You've dealt with some of the, you know, the poly names. That, 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 I, I was impressed. That's probably correct. Oh, we'll see. We'll go back to the board there and uh, revisit that one and, and see how I did. But this is the second offensive lineman that Miami has now taken in this class. Another one was Antonio Tripp a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts now, especially with with Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal's background as offensive line coaches? What are your thoughts on what Miami has done on the offensive line so far? I'm still kind of in, in wait and see mode, if we're going to be honest. You know, Frankie's a kid we had a chance to see 
at the Under Armour uh, Miami camp a few months ago. But outside of that, that's there's not much exposure on him. I mean, he was grew up playing rugby. Uh, the thing that I don't want to say it's concerning, but has got me kind of hung up with, with him is he's already 18 years old. He was originally a, a class of 22 recruit. I guess is reclassified, currently living in Australia, might be moving here to play at a lower classification school, La LaSalle here in Miami-Dade County. I mean, to me, I go back to what Oregon was recruiting last year along that offensive line when when Mario Cristobal was there and Alex Mirabal. I mean, they were on some Cameron Williams, uh, Cam Dewberry. I mean, they were after some big time guys. And I just thought we would see more of that with Miami and, and we haven't, you know, I mean, obviously they've gotten some high profile names on, on campus, Francis Mayoga. I think he was up recently on campus for a scrimmage. He's our, what, number one, number two tackle, or might be an interior guy. But, you know, there's some offensive linemen, I think, in this state that I thought Miami might turn up the heat on, and we haven't seen it. Roderick Kearney, the kid out of Jacksonville. I know you're, you're a big fan of him, the guard. Lucas Simmons, our, our, our Swedish-born offensive tackle prospect in Clearwater. You know, Miami hasn't made a move on them. So I'm interested to see what exactly the plan is because, you know, you're only going to have so many spots, and, and Miami Miami has been so active in the transfer portal as well that I, I'm just kind of not scratching my head, but you know, I, I really want to see what they do on this offensive line. And I'm not trying to knock Mario and Alex Mirabal. Obviously, they know what they're doing with the offensive line play. We saw what they did at Oregon, but I'm just, you know, this is maybe these weren't the guys I thought they'd be getting this early on. Yeah, certainly a fascinating storyline. And if I can give a little bit of context to Alex Mirabal and, and Mario Cristobal's relationship during my time at Oregon, there is a lot of trust there between those two. There, there's not a closer confidant to Mario Cristobal than Alex Mirabal. Uh, and this is somebody who's really trusted uh, and has a reputation as one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. So between those two, there's a lot of trust. And like I said yesterday, when when I kind of touched on it on Twitter, they were really high on now Texas A&M offensive line and Jordan Moko coming out, who is Australian-based. And for me, as a personnel guy, when you don't see a lot of film and you're banking just really strictly off the athleticism and the makeup, you really like to proceed with caution a little bit. Now, what I think is interesting, you can wrap your head around a Jordan Moko and why you would pursue a guy like that while you were at the University of Oregon. Maybe when those bodies are a little bit more scarce, but you talked about it. You talked about Roderick Kearney, you talked about Lucas Simmons, you talked about some of the names there in South Florida that would be on the board for a place like Miami. It is a little bit of a head scratcher. Now, now what I would say is you give Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal the benefit of the doubt and until proven differently. So we will see on that front. I, I do think it's really interesting. I think the other thing is there's this infatuation with big bodies. They love big bodies. They're offensive line coaches, you know. So I think the biggest thing for them and the biggest thing for Mario Cristobal, what I would say, even working with him is patience and diligence and thoroughness. Sometimes a guy gets in front of you and you get a little emotionally hijacked and you see him, put your hands on him. You say, I like this kid a lot. And then all of a sudden it's boom, it's done. And he might've been the sixth, seventh guy on your board. And now you kind of got to backtrack a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if Miami how Mario Cristobal is going to deal with that. I think they've done that well at other positions. How are they going to deal with that at offensive line? A big thanks to 24-7 Sports National recruiting analysts Andrew Ivins and Cooper Patagna. It was really a great discussion about not only the running backs in the 2023 class, but the recruiting landscape as a whole. And if you missed their recent discussion that happened on Tuesday earlier this week, don't worry. 
The guys are going position by position each week, and you can find future conversations as they go live on the 24-7 Sports Twitter page at 24-7 Sports. So for Andrew Ivins, Cooper Patagna, and our producer, Lance Glenn, I am Blair Angulo. Thanks for listening to this edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, and everyone enjoy your weekend. 